Well, welcome to another Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Martian. Glad you have tuned. Uh, what, what is it the, the phrase that the kids use? Uh, I'm here for it. Okay. <laughs> I guess that's, that's what everybody is saying, especially about Everyone Wednesday, because it is just so much fun to have resources to share and have really good ones uh, to share as well. If you know somebody who is dealing with grief right now, we have an outstanding resource we'll be getting into in the final half hour of the broadcast today, Dr. Ed Welch is back with us to offer some help and assistance for people who are grieving. Um, also, we're going to get into uh, some good health tips. Dr. Chris Green joining us once again and uh, also giving us an opportunity to take a look at a story that we covered here on the Bottom Line Show about six years ago. And I love saying that <laughs> because it means we've been around for a while. But uh, a family of who were participating in a local farmer's market and they got kicked out of the farmer's market because they're Catholic. And um, they've taken their case to court and we actually have a verdict to share with you. And we'll do that uh, coming up. First, though, want to get into the uh, Truth is Stranger Than Fiction file here as we kick off the program. And this is a story that is, is, is important for us to pay attention to because it's just yet another kind of an analysis, balance and clarity segment on how the media will spin the truth to fit their own narrative and agenda. Now, let's be fair. Both sides of the aisle will do this. Um, it, it's not uncommon and it's somewhat disappointing to yours truly. Whenever I get a piece of literature, some email or something like that from a faith-based organization making some wild and outrageous claim about these horrible people are doing this, that, or the other thing. And then it turns out that what they're really complaining about was they're just trying to get your attention so then they can ask you for money. And I know there are media ministries that do this on a regular basis. <laughs> some of them um, have really got it down to a science. And uh, there's even one that broadcasts regularly on our affiliates that I, I have to admit, I just, I, I don't always respond to their email because everything's hysterical, last minute, and this, that, and the other thing. But when a man of God is uh, put into a place where God exalts him to a certain level, you remember the scripture telling us to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. That happened the, during the past month with the election of Mike Johnson of Louisiana as the current Speaker of the House. Now, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, of course, is the third most powerful position in the U.S. government. There's president, there's vice president, and then if one of them are unable to uh, assume their responsibilities, the Speaker of the House takes over. And I don't know if it's one of those situations where, I remember when Richard Nixon was president, had just been elected to his second term, Spiro Agnew had been his vice president, he'd the former governor of uh, Maryland. And he was his vice president in the first term. In the second term, he had faced some tax issues or something like that and was forced to resign shortly after Nixon became president. And so they appointed Gerald Ford, who was a, the senior senator from Michigan at the time, uh, to become vice president of the U.S. And, of course, we know how that played out because Nixon was elected to reelected office in November of 72. By 1973, the Watergate scandal had broken, and by 1974, Richard Nixon was out of office. So America was in kind of a weird spot for two years because you had, for the first time in American history, if I, as I recall, the U.S. president of the United States had not been elected by the people, and the vice president, Nelson Rockefeller, also had not been appointed by the people. But remember that when the president is no longer able to perform duty, then the vice president becomes the president, and until a vice president is selected, the Speaker of the House is calling second in command. 
So Mike Johnson, as a youngish guy, early 50s, I believe he's 51 years of age, former senior counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom, a member of Cypress Baptist Church in Benton, Louisiana, and also had sat on a board with the Southern Baptist Convention about 20 years or so ago. By the way, the other one of the other guys who was on that board was our own Neil Boron from uh, WDCX. Neil was on the ELRC board uh, back with Mike Johnson. He said it was largely ceremonial for both of them, but uh, he met him a couple times and he seems like he's a nice guy. So, of course, Mike Johnson is getting ridiculed by the left-leaning media. Here's this, you know, do-gooder, MAGA supporter, election denier, you know, all the different things. And it's like, okay, well, the, you know, the, the left decided to crown Donald Trump the king of election deniers after he refused to accept the results of the 2020 election. No one called Hillary Clinton an election denier when she denied the results of 2016. Stacey Abrams wasn't called an election denier when she lost the governor's office to Brian Kemp in 2017 in the state of Georgia. And then let's not forget the election deniers when George W. Bush beat Al Gore back in 2000. You know, th there's a long history of that. And the left is notorious for having that kind of selective amnesia. I think the term is gaslighting, something that I've experienced, but I'm going to try to make you feel that you experienced it. And therefore, it's your problem. And, and again, to be fair, one of the best witnesses, I think, as Christians, we can have in the marketplace of ideas is to do what Jesus said. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. You know, if we have to call it both sides, again, to conversations that Neil and I have often off air about the fact that as, as Christians, we well, as talk show hosts, we are responsible for calling balls and strikes. You know, God's going to sort out the details, but it's our job to call sin, sin, to call good and holy things good and holy, and to make sure that we don't call good evil and evil good. Because we would find ourselves in those times right now, as a matter of fact, we do. And so having a guy like Mike Johnson, the left doesn't know what to do with him. But this is something about, here's the, the level of depravity that we're seeing on the left-hand side. During a, um, a congressional, there was a panel about technology, members of Congress, this, that, and the other thing, back in 2022. And then uh, Congressman Johnson, now Speaker Mike Johnson, uh, was talking to this panel, and he said that both he and his teenage son at the time were using Covenant Eyes. Now, you may have heard of Covenant Eyes, and this is not a, uh, a commercial for them necessarily, but this has been around, this is software that's been around for about 25 years. This is right around the time the Everyman's Battle and Promise Keepers were coming up. Covenant Eyes is a software, uh, it's a subscription-based, and it's a software that can be loaded onto computers and mobile devices that monitor websites. And the great thing about Covenant Eyes is um, that you can basically set up an accountability partner or partners, and then every day they have free access to get this report that comes to them to their email address that indicates where they've been online. Now, I'll be, be perfectly frank, since I'm no longer in this position and the person that I was working with who was reporting directly to me is no longer in the position as well, without mentioning that person's identity. In my pastoral ministry days, I had a, a worker who reported to me who had this issue that uh, this person was wrestling with, and we used Covenant Eyes to help keep this person accountable. And ultimately, unfortunately, what wound up to this person leaving the ministry full-time was the fact that there was a lack of accountability on this person's part with regard to using pornography, as it turned out. So I, I'm very grateful for what Covenant Eyes has done. However, um, here's the thing. Uh, Speaker Mike Johnson, according to Receipt Maven on X, says he uses uh, Covenant Eyes software 
um, learned about it at a Promise Keepers retreat, scans all his electronic devices, gives a weekly report to an accountability partner, and also um, his 17-year-old son has the accountability back and forth. So basically what he says is, I get a report once a week, and I am accountable to Jack, and Jack is accountable to me. So what do you think the mainstream media did with this article? Are you ready? Rolling Stone magazine unearthed the clip from 2022. And they wrote an article called Mike Johnson admits he and his son monitor each other's porn intake in resurfaced video. Rolling Stone then suggested that Mike Johnson's use of this accountability software with his son was quote unquote creepy. Outside the creepy big brotherness of it all, Receipt Maven also aired concerns about whether Covenant Eyes, which is still a working subscription-based service, might quote-unquote compromise Johnson's devices if he's still actively seeking accountability. Uh, The New Republic suggested that Mike Johnson has quote, unusual porn habits. What? What do you mean unusual porn habits? Here's the habit that he has. He has a habit of not going to those sites. He has a habit of being accountable to his son and his son accountable to him. Jack was 17 back in the day. Now he's probably 18 or 19. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Business Insider said, well, you know, they talk about this whole, uh, you know, uh, covenant eyes. But remember, Josh Duggar used to use covenant eyes. And look at what happened to him. Uh, Daniel Friedman, who's a blogger on X, uh, said that the Rolling Stone article is just patently dishonest. Basically, Friedman posted the screen grab of Rolling Stone's piece that says, Speaker of the House Mike Johnson admitted that he and his son monitored each other's porn intake in a resurfaced clip from 2022. Now, that's not true. They didn't monitor their porn intake. What they did was they hold each other accountable to make sure that either one of them is not going to those sites. Now, that should be fairly easy for Mike Johnson. It may not be so easy for his son because he's a teenager. But here's what Friedman then, he put the screen grab and he wrote, what he actually said is that he installed accountability software on his son's devices to help keep his son from using porn. And he put the same software on his own devices to show his son that he wasn't using porn either. And then he finally ends the tweet by saying, but Rolling Stone is a dishonest publication. And that is probably one of the most honest things you'll ever hear anyone say about Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, Mike Johnson already under fire as our Speaker of the House. And uh, God bless him for the fact that, well, he is uh, he's getting that fire. And what does the scripture tell us about blessing those who persecute us and blessed are you when you are persecuted? for the name of namesake of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. On the other side of this break, Dr. Chris Green has put together what he calls a biblical prescription, restoring body and soul. He's got a book called God's Healing Code, and recently we had a chance to talk about it here in studio. You're going to hear the first part of that conversation coming up next. Oh, by the way, it's Everyone Wednesday. We do have a copy. This is a massively big hardcover book, like $50 in the store. So we do have one copy of this book to give away. You want to get in line for that one, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. And remember, since it is Everyone Wednesday, everybody who calls in is going to win something if you haven't won something in the last 30 days, okay? 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. My conversation with Dr. Chris Green coming up next as the bottom line continues. 
You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. It is amazing when you study scripture and you think about how long ago it was written and how many practical applications there are today. And uh, in studio with me today here on The Bottom Line is a man who is a testament to that study and uh, also that practice. Dr. Chris Green uh, is a guy who describes himself as someone who uh, guides people on the path to biblical health. He's written God's Healing Code, a biblical prescription for restoring your body, and also a success manual, a seven-week plan for biblical health, too. And no, this is not a late-night infomercial. Uh, Chris has a history with us here on The Bottom Line Show and K-Bright Radio in particular, and uh, we're going to get into that right now. Dr. Chris Green, welcome to The Bottom Line Show today. Well, it is so fun to be here. I am excited to be back at KBRT, and especially that we get to spend some time together. Yeah, definitely. Now, I always like to say this before we get started, if there's ever any sort of potential tension here, people who say, I don't know how you can reach across the aisle and have conversations with people you disagree with. Chris and I went to rival high schools. (laughs) Yes, we did. Okay. And, 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 and the, the Villa Park kids were always too snobby for us Foothill kids, but I'm sure you guys said terrible things about us, too. So, see, a, a Villa Park Spartan and a Foothill Knight can get along, right? We'll try. We'll do our best. We'll do our best. Well, that's true. Well, we're trying. And if I've got your book here. If you come after me, I'll just come back and forth. Uh, let's talk about health for you, because you're, you're, you've been a doctor for many years. You've been helping people for many years. Talk about the, the, your, the combination, the, the, con- the confluence, if you will, of your faith and your practice. Well, I'd love to share it with you. Um, um, so I'm 30 years now in practice, and which makes me feel old, but oh well. Because you started right? in first grade, That's right? It, it's exactly, amazing, right? a miracle. And uh, so I've really been focused in multiple areas. One is neck and back pain. The mm-hmm. other is nutrition. And so it's kind of an interesting blend of how the body moves and nutrition. And there's lots of talk about like sports performance, nutrition, and that sort of thing. Um, but really, is there a true connection and the answer is is that the, that there is. It's just a matter of seeing where it's at. Mm-hmm. Well, so I've been on this nutrition walk for many years, decades. One of the things that I have no better way of saying it just bothers me is there's a lot of mis- misinformation out there. Mm-hmm. You hear all of these fad diets. You hear all of these, oh, this is the latest, greatest. And people are serious about their nutrition because they're serious about their health and they want answers. But it just seems like it's so confusing. It's so conflicted. Yeah. It is. I mean, I know I'll go to the gym and I'll see guys with a protein shake. And it's like in between reps, I got to have the And I'm thinking to myself, OK, well, 
is that really helping? Is that really beneficial? Then you see the different diets, and everybody's got some different you know diet thing that they've tried. They're not terribly effective. I mean, now we're sounding like a late night infomercial. Tell us, Dr. Green, they're not really effective, <laughs> but but you see this. I mean, you patients are coming to you and saying, hey, I've been trying this and trying that, and you're looking at their body and saying, I don't know what you did, but it's not helping. Right, and so there's two pieces that we have to look at it. This this isn't working. Because here's, here's what I can tell you. Statistically, about 90% of diets fail. Um, it doesn't speak well of the diet industry. Uh, that they keep coming up with things that don't work? All right, exactly. <laughs> or it's a good business to be in one or the other. Maybe. Um, but on the other hand, I don't like to sound like, uh, or I don't want to mean to say that I've the guy, I'm the guy who's found out the answers. Uh, I'm all about research. And there are many studies that are just coming to conclusions, some, some that have been running for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. One is called the PURE study, and they've been um, uh, documented. P-U-R-E, that's an acrostic for something? Correct. Okay. And don't ask me what it is because okay, I, well, I couldn't tell you. Right, but it's been around for years. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and so this is from the World Health Organization, from the World Heart Federation, and here's what we found is that increasing the fat in your diet, decreasing the carbohydrates will reduce the chances for all of the major diseases that are just slamming people, things like diabetes, mm-hmm. heart disease, stroke, and by the way, obesity too is really affected when you eat healthy fats and decrease the carbohydrates. And the studies show that. So what happened for me is I was like, okay, that's great. Here are the studies that show that. And I could bore you and you don't want me to because you would be bored. Well, I'm kind of a research geek, but go ahead. I realize for the for the benefit of everyone else. Okay. Yeah. So we could pull out all those studies and you and I would have a great time. We would. We would. Uh, we'd hear crickets <laughs> chirping. But... <laughs> Except for us going, whoa, wow. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but here's the other part is I was like, how about scripture? Does, does scripture support this? Well, the other side of Dr. Green's life is, oh, I really love to study the scripture. And the Lord put me on this path about 10 years ago of looking at scripture through the lens of the original biblical language, mm-hmm. Hebrew. And so I landed at this passage, Proverbs 25, 27, and it says this. Many of the listeners are probably familiar with it. It says, don't eat much honey. It's not good to glorify your glory. It's kind of an uh, awkward passage, uh, but the long story short, without getting into the Yeah, the, the first Hebrew, part makes sense, but the second part sounds a little The odd. glory part. Yeah. Right. Don't eat a lot of honey and honey sugar. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the same thing as table sugar. And just for you honey listeners out there, I know there's a little bit of extra stuff in honey, but as far as sugar, or the carbohydrate goes, mm-hmm. it's table sugar. Yeah. And so the effect of sugar on the organ that it most impacts, fatty liver disease, inflammation, diabetes, all of these different things... It's the liver. The liver was, is what gets hammered by sugar. And so when you look at that passage, Proverbs 25, 27, in the Hebrew, the word for glory, kavod, is also the word for liver, pronounced kaved, hmm. but it's kaf, bait, dalit. Mm-hmm. It's the same word. Same spelling. Same spelling. Just a little bit of a tweak, but as far as the, the root, what we would call the root of that word, right, right. it's the same for you Hebrew scholars out there. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so don't hang me on, right. on that, but, but, it's, but it is. And so we've talked with the Hebrew experts, and they say this is true. So in the Proverbs is this instruction not to eat much honey because it's really bad for your liver, and that's what drives what we call metabolic syndrome, mm-hmm. obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, cholesterol. Which we're seeing in the culture everywhere. Huge. Inside the church and outside the church. 
I'd say even worse in the church. Really? Okay. I think so. Okay. okay when I go and enough. speak at churches, mm-hmm. it's like, because everything revolves around donuts and snacks and, and isn't cakes. it interesting? I'm talking with Dr. Chris Green today here on The Bottom Line. Godshealingcode.com is the website. Isn't it interesting that there are certain areas of human life that the church is all over? We've got to watch out for smoking, and we've got to watch out for you know sex outside of marriage and things like that. And then you'll go to a conference with lots of large bellies, <laughs> Lots of coffee and donuts, and people are sitting around going, "What? What? Like it's not a, what? You know?" And and I I realize that's a sensitive issue for a lot of people. Hey, we're all big and stuff like that. But if our body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, and what you're talking about in the Hebrew text says, "Hey, we've got the key to get that good health again," I don't know why people ignore it. I, I'm back to your point. I just had sorry. Thanks for a little soapbox there in terms of what you seek, Doctor Chris Green, when you're speaking to people yeah. about this. No, and, and I, I'm just it's like preaching to the choir here. Yeah. But but it's more than that because here's what I'll tell you is a lot of people it causes them heartache because they genu- genuinely want to break those chains of bondage, yes. if you mm-hmm. will. Mm-hmm. But it's the matter of they've knowing, tried the ninety percent of the diets don't work. Yeah. Right. And so it's a matter of knowing what to do. Uh, but it's more than that, and, and here's what I've seen as well, is oftentimes there's a spiritual component as well, mm. meaning that the food becomes a, a, a crutch, uh, filling a void, um, soothing a pain, if you will, that really there's only one who can fill that. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. It's the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I know, Chris, as we were talking uh, before we started our, our conversation here on air, um, when you talk about those comfort foods, I'll get into you know some of my health issues in just a moment. But um, I know that the moment the diagnosis came regarding my heart, all of a sudden, French toast, pancakes, pasta, that's all I wanted. And then I realized it's not because my body needed it. My mind and that wounded spot in my soul that said, hey, I got to walk down a dangerous road here. I mean, it's God's going to walk with me, but I still got to walk down it. All of a sudden, that sounded so good. Right. And so I completely understand the emotional part of it. Yeah. But but that's a place where we have to take those thoughts captive, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, and then I would, I would argue that that's even more the reason why these issues of lifestyle when it comes to food and eating, mm-hmm. truly they need to be dealt with in the setting of the church, mm-hmm. a yes. place where we can both merge spirit mm-hmm. and body where we can really bring that conversation into one forum and talk about it. Talk about Proverbs 25, 27, don't eat much honey, it's not good for your liver. And also talk about the fruits of the Spirit are blank, blank, blank. Mm -hmm. Talk about those things together because honestly, unless you deal with the spiritual part, the physical, we're going to chase our tail. Right. And the reason I think that you've got this book titled God's Healing Code, A Biblical Prescription Restoring Body and Soul, is just that. The fact that you've studied scriptures, you've looked at the original texts, you've seen the complexities of the words, Dr. Chris Green, and what you're seeing is words that were written three, 4,000 years ago are speaking to us here in 2018. (laughs) I can't imagine. With interest. uh, GodsHealingCode.com is the website. There's a book in there. There's also a, uh, what he calls a seven-week plan for biblical health, the success manual. As we continue, I'm going to get a little personal here in terms of talking about my own uh, situation, something I just kind of alluded to here just a moment ago, and, uh, and and how a plan like this can actually help someone like me, or if you find yourself in a situation where you're part of that 90% of people who've tried diets and the diets didn't work, and you just said, to heck with it, I don't care. Uh, this Dr. Chris Green's research is going to help you care a lot more about caring for your body. We'll talk more about God's healing code for a biblical prescription for restoring body and soul in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Been hurt in an accident and you're wondering if you should call Stephanie Cover of Cover Law. You must. That's why insurance exists to cover accidents. So you should use it. Stephanie worked in the insurance industry for over 20 years. 
and she knows their system, how to talk to adjusters, how they think, and how to get back from them all that you've lost. That could be wages, time, property, or anything else that the accident has taken from you. Every minute you wait hurts your chance to be made whole again, and Stephanie knows that the opposing insurance company is building a case against you, so time is a factor. Stephanie cares about the truth. She builds your case on a rock-solid foundation of honesty. She will give you a clear understanding of what to expect during the process, and Stephanie will ensure that the truth comes to light. If you or someone you know has been in an accident and you're not sure if you need an attorney, reach out to Stephanie Cover now at kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R. Great conversation today here with Dr. Chris Green here on The Bottom Line Show. This is a guy who has over 25 years of clinical experience, but is also a very strong Christian. And so basically his uh, healing prescription, I mean, and you could tell, of course, the cover of the book, God's Healing Code, has a lot of fruits and vegetables on it. But basically you're, you're talking about unlocking some simple solutions to regain your youth and vitality literally at any age. I mean, you, you'll discover the Bible's easy remedy for chronic pain, a prescription for diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure. It's all in this book. And having known Dr. Green for many years, I appreciate the wit and wisdom that he has in the book, God's Healing Code. It is Everyone Wednesday today. Our first offering here is a copy of this big, gorgeous, hardcover book called God's Healing Code, a biblical prescription restoring body and soul. We've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we do have that copy that we're giving away today, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line, one copy of God's Healing Code by Dr. Chris Green, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And uh, take your best shot because a lot of people are going to want this book. But of course, since today is Everyone Wednesday, that means we have lots of other goodies to give away. Uh, Dr. Ed Welch is going to be joining me later in the program, and we're going to be talking about help for people who are dealing with grief. Um, He's got a couple of those books that we're giving away as well. Those are also in the prize package, uh, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side of this break, I want to talk a little bit more about God's healing code and also remind you that one of the things about God's healing code is, of course, that what has been damaged, what has been broken, uh, is in need of repair, can be restored through the tools that he gives us, our knowledge, wisdom, of course, prayer and supplication, but also through a healthy diet. But also, too, one of the ways that we can show the world who God is in terms of his creation is doing everything we can to fight for the sanctity of the unborn. And our friends at Preborn have a special opportunity for you to stand with them right now. A $28 one-time donation makes it possible for a woman to get an ultrasound, get those images, and then get the counseling she needs for whether or not that uh, the keeping the child is in her best interest or releasing that child for adoption. A few women do choose abortion, but the most part, once these women see the images, 85% of the time, they choose life for their child. 833-850-BABY is the number to call to make a donation to preborn. 833-850-2229. And don't forget, coming up Monday the 20th, right here on the bottom line, a very special announcement about preborn that is really going to make this Thanksgiving season a remarkable time for you and your family. More of my conversation with Dr. Chris Green coming up next as the bottom line continues.
Dr. Chris Green is in studio with me today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. His new book is called God's Healing Code, A Biblical Prescription Restoring Body and Soul. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. There's also God's Healing Code, The Success Manual, A Seven-Week Plan for Biblical Health. And we've got the link for godshealingcode.com up at thebottomlineshow.com. And uh, friends who have been uh, listening to the the Bible Answer Show, and that was on with us, and, uh, you, were, you were one of the panel of experts. I was. Now, not necessarily on the pastoral team, but you bring a, a lot of biblical wisdom to an area of our lives, our physical health, that is so very, very key. And what we were talking during the break here about uh, uh, inflammation and how, how challenging that is for people like me, mm-hmm. but other people too, that's just kind of a way of life. Talk about what, does the Bible, I mean, this is a 21st century problem, inflammation, or does this go back to scripture also? Well, interestingly enough, we use this term inflammation a lot in our culture. And if you say inflammation to people, like if I said, you know, tell me which, which of the two is bad? inflammation or anti-inflammation, and most people would say as far as one being bad and the other good, Mm -hmm. that inflammation is bad and anti-inflammation is a good thing. After all, we take a boatload of over-the-counter drugs called anti-inflammatories, right, right, Motrin, Advil, that kind of stuff. But we usually, I'll take something like that if I've got a headache, or Mm -hmm. like I just had some dental work done and they Mm -hmm. said, here, take this to reduce the swelling. I didn't think of that in terms of my overall body, my my health. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and that that makes the point too. So, what exactly is inflammation? Okay, hold on to your hold on to your hat. Good You're thing I'm sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> crash course in inflammation, really quick. Uh-huh. Inflammation and anti-inflammation are two sides of the same coin. Inflammation is the beginning of the healing process, and anti-inflammation is the end of the healing process. If you were to cut your hand, you start bleeding. Right so that you don't bleed out, that's the end of your life, your body clots. It makes this stuff called fibrin, and that's the inflammatory response. A bunch of other things happen as well, bringing in new blood supply and nutrients and stuff to start to heal that cut. Mm -hmm. But once it's done healing, you wanna get rid of the excess scar tissue, otherwise you might have a clot, and that would be a problem because it could break loose, and then you have a stroke, and other things that turn off that healing process. It's like making a cake. If you keep just adding flour and sugar right. and salt yeah, and Yeah, at some point stuff, you have to say, we've got enough, the ingredients are just right. Put in the oven, let yeah. it cook, and when it's done cooking, turn off the oven, put everything away, yeah. and we're ready for another baking adventure down the road. Mm-hmm. Not, not tomorrow, by the way. Maybe yeah. a cake once a month. Yeah, that, right? I was gonna say, we were talking about the whole processed sugar thing. Don't go. Don't <laughs> Don't go contradicting us here, Dr. Chris. All right. Yeah. So the inflammation process is the beginning of healing, and anti-inflammation is turning the healing process off. Here's the problem. Because we eat diets that are really high in inflammation-causing chemicals, I'll just leave it as that. They're called mm-hmm. omega-6 fatty acids. Mm-hmm. So we eat diets high in that. So we stimulate this healing process like crazy making all this fibrosis and scar tissue and all these different things. VEGF is this thing that causes more blood vessels that forms tumors and everything. So because we've got a, a, a hyperactive beginning healing process and nothing to turn it off, the kitchen, our body, so to mm-hmm. speak, looks like a kitchen where the Mad Hatter's at work uh-huh. and everything is in this inflamed, chaotic, agitated state. That cake is like spilling over the pan and it's dripping out of the oven and that, that's what's happening in our bodies. That's most people's bodies who eat an inflammatory diet. So is inflammation bad? No, no way. And here's why. If you don't 
have that scar tissue form, you'll bleed out. Right, so you want right. inflammation. You do have a certain amount of it. Absolutely. But you also need anti-inflammation to turn it down. You really want a one-to-one. Mm-hmm. So that would be like omega-6 fatty acids and omega-3 fatty acids. You want them one-to-one. Mm-hmm. Omega-6s come from flowers and grains and all that kind of stuff that we love to eat. Yeah. And omega-3s come from things like broccoli, mm-hmm. which most people don't like to eat. Oh, you said the V word, didn't you? Vegetables. Sorry. Yeah. No, that, that, that they're, they're the disinflammatories, and they more importantly, Dr. Chris Green, they keep the balance. Absolutely. And I think that's that, that – because, that, again, everything – God's a God of order and not of chaos, and so there's harmony. I mean, right. there, even if it's dissonant, there's harmony in mm-hmm. music, there's harmony in art, in nature, and this is the harmony you're talking about within Absolutely. the bodies. Dr. Chris Green is with me today here in studio on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. His book is called God's Healing Code, a biblical prescription restoring body and soul. We've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com and also his website, godshealingcode.com. Okay, so here we're talking about inflammation and things of that nature, and we see an epidemic, it seems, like with kids especially, with regard to their eating. Talk about, take a couple minutes here and talk about the obesity, diabetes epidemic that we're seeing, and maybe are there some, not only are there some solutions, but how important is it for us to start working on those solutions right now when they're young? Now's the time. Let me just start and I'll finish by saying now's the time and here's why. So inflammation is a real problem whether you know it or not. It's, it's kind of like heart disease is a silent killer. Mm-hmm. Inflammation is a silent killer because it is at the core of so much of the chronic disease and illness that we face today. Mm-hmm. And without getting any more detail than what we talked about is that you need inflammation and anti-inflammation and we don't get anywhere near enough anti-inflammation which is gonna be from foods that have a lot of green stuff in them, vegetables, right. that sort of stuff. And keep taking those fish oils if you're taking them but two fish oil tabs are not going to overdo a lifestyle of all kinds of foods full of the omega-6 fatty acids. It is kind of like taking a squirt gun to a forest fire. Absolutely. Yeah. You got it. Thank you. Mm. And so we've got to really uh, to do, we got to deal with that before we deal with anything. That's a big lifestyle change. But here's where we really get in trouble is conditions like diabetes, insulin resistance, is at its core an inflammatory condition. Heart disease is an inflammatory condition. How about this for a statistic that'll just knock your socks off? Okay. We've heard about, well, I have one, and I think you had mentioned we were talking about it earlier nephew, as well, yeah. with um, uh, autism. There are, so autism is a terrible thing, but did you know that there are more children with hypertension? Okay, let me just cut to the chase on this. More kids have high blood pressure than do autism. When's the last time you heard about that? Never. Right? No, really, never. High that, blood pressure is an old white guy's disease, 50, 60, 70 years of age. Used to be. Yeah, or that's what, we, that's what we're told. Absolutely. And that is absolutely attributable to diet, not eating enough fiber. And so fiber is the cure in a big way is to increase the fiber, and that's going to come through more vegetables, mm-hmm. less refined carbohydrates. You keep bringing up this more vegetables thing like it's a good thing, Dr. It Chris. Is. I mean, seriously, okay, fine. Uh, is your last name really green, or that's just to remind <laughs> people to eat vegetables? I'm just having some fun with you, because I, mean, I, know, I love fruits and vegetables, and especially I know the, the, the benefit of doing so. Um, t- today on the Bottom Line Show, Dr. Chris Green is in studio with me. Godshealingcode.com is the website. God's Healing Code, the success manual. Take a look at that along with the book, God's Healing Code, A Biblical Prescription, Restoring Body and Soul. Okay, we got a couple minutes left. I know that God can heal my body supernaturally, and I pray for that every day. At the same time, if he wants you know, me to walk down this, this valley, then I'm, I'm walking through it. 
what can I do right now? What can our listeners do right now? I mean, not everyone's having open heart surgery, but what can our listeners do on this? I would imagine as, as less flammatory or inflamed as I am, the better. Yeah. So here's the bottom line on that. Play, yeah, pardon, the, pardon the pun. No, it's well taken. But here's what it is. Proverbs 25, 27, eat less honey. So decrease your sugar intake, your refined carbohydrate intake. Mm-hmm. Hugely important. Pasta, breads, sugar. All those comfort those. foods that I'm craving right now? Yes. Yeah, I got to stop. Yeah, okay. and we've really done it to ourselves as a culture, but we mm-hmm. need to get away from that. And then the other, and so that's Proverbs 25, 27. Okay. And how about Genesis 1? Is that a good place to start? I think Where so. Where God says to eat of the trees and the, and the seed-bearing plants, eat those things. So increase your fiber intake. Here's the easy one on that. Chia seed and flax seed are great sources of fiber. And then your vegetables like broccoli, the longer they take take to chew, uh-huh. the more fiber they got. <laughs> so it's just that simple. Yeah. Increase your fiber intake and then decrease the refined carbohydrates. That's uh, breads, pastas, and sugars. Mm-hmm. There you have it. That's simple. And that's that's something that would will benefit me, but will also benefit people right now who say, hey, where'd that extra 10 pounds come from? It from will. my midsection. I yes. mean, and, and especially for moms and dads where here's a big one, grandma and grandpa. We got a minute left here. I'm talking to you right now. We were talking about kids and inflammatory situations and hypertension and things of that nature. And what do we want to do as grandparents with our grandkids? We want to spoil them. So, what? hey, let's go out for ice cream, cake, whatever, and stuff like that. Dr. Chris Green, I'll give you the last word on this one. But uh, talk to the grandparents listening to us about how you need to find other ways to spoil your kids, your grandkids. Yeah, especially. well, here, here, how about just this one? Spend time with them. And then here, this is going to sound really boring. I like it. Dried fruit, beef jerky, nuts. If you want to give beef them treats. Now, beef jerky is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Totally fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh So that, you know, get rid of the sugar, quit giving them those apple juice, you know, bottles of juice and that kind of stuff. Because I hate to say this, but you are setting the stage for chronic disease at earlier and earlier ages. Yeah. And that's the thing we're trying to avoid. Well, this is the first of what I'm hoping to be many conversations with Dr. Chris Green here on the Bottom Line Show. And not just for my own health, but I mean, for the health and well-being of the body of Christ. Amen. We we want the body of Christ to be healthy physically, spiritually, and emotionally and relationally too. God's Healing Code, a biblical prescription restoring body and soul is the book. God's Healing Code, the success manual, a seven-week plan for biblical health is the manual that goes along with it. GodsHealingCode.com is the website. I encourage you to check out what Dr. Christopher Green is doing uh, because I think this is it can be very life-changing for so many people. Chris, thanks for being with me Thank on the program Thank you. It's been great. Love revisiting that conversation with Dr. Chris Green today here on The Bottom Line Show. The book is called God's Healing Code, a biblical prescription restoring body and soul. There's a link for the book up at TheBottomLineShow.com. We do have a copy of the book to give away today and doing so here on this Everyone Wednesday. the number to get you through to the bottom line. It's amazing how many of life's ills can be uh, settled up by eating healthy, by eating the food that God intended us to eat in the first place. I mean, it does make a lot of sense, doesn't it? That the fruits and vegetables that God uh, had growing in abundance all over the earth uh, or in their respective areas, uh, and gave us the opportunity through a free market economy to, uh, to, to have these. I mean, remember that be fruitful and multiply verse in Genesis has as much to do with babies and kids as it does with growing fruits and vegetables, raising livestock. In other words, when you hear someone say, capitalism is really bad, it's of the devil, and we should be more communist, please beg to differ. The idea that the, the, the capitalistic society is bad takes 
it completely flies in the face of convention. Look at what Genesis is talking about. Uh, Moses, we believe, is the writer of Genesis and says, hey, look, you know, the whole point here is when God says be fruitful and multiply, that means get married and have kids, lots of kids. But it also means be fruitful with the resources God has given you and then make them available to other people. You know, there are a lot of communist loving people who say, oh, that means you know, share everything. And, you know, we look at the early church and they sold everything they had and they shared with anybody who was in need. Well, that didn't mean they didn't go out and work. It just meant they had more of a communal mindset. And in God's economy, what he's talking about is, look, if you're a farmer and you're raising a certain crop and you've got enough for your family of that crop, you take the rest into the marketplace and basically either trade or buy or sell with your friends so you can get more crops, more livestock, whatever, land, whatever it is you need. That's capitalism in the best sense, not capitalism in the crooked Bernie Madoff corruption sense. So nonetheless, but agrarian society, God's plan A, eating fruits and vegetables. If you want to improve the quality of your health, I, I guarantee you that getting off of processed foods and eating the good stuff is really going to help. Of course, it's amazing how people in the world will look at people in the church and say, yeah, we're not so sure we want you people to, to be a part of what we're doing. And there's one family in East Lansing, Michigan, that actually has had quite an arduous journey. And if you remember about five, six years ago here on the Bottom Line Show, we shared the story of the Tennis family, uh, Steve Tennis and his uh, family, his wife and his multiple children operate a business called Country Mill Farms. And Country Mill Farms uh, was under the crosshairs of what's happening in the, uh, in the world because of the fact that, well, quite frankly, they tried to live out their Christian values they had a beautiful location, and people like to have weddings at said location. But the Tennies says, well, okay, um, they can sell produce now because they were being forced out of a farmer's market because they refused to acknowledge anything called marriage that was other than God's plan A, which is one man and one woman. We're going to revisit this story and talk about a very favorable court outcome for the Tennis family. It's coming up next as the bottom line continues. One of the greatest gifts that we can give to an expectant mother is the gift of the first picture she'll ever have of her son or daughter in the womb. That comes through an ultrasound, and our friends at Preborn have an opportunity for us to make more of these ultrasounds a reality. Every time you give a donation of $28 to Preborn, that means one more ultrasound can take place. But how about giving enough money for an ultrasound machine? The cost is $15,000. It's a sizable investment. But every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year and lasts at least 10 years. Now take that cost $15,000 and divide that by 2,500. Okay, now you begin to see how the cost per ultrasound goes down even more once we have more ultrasound machines to donate into preborn clinics. Make a donation right now to preborn. It's completely tax deductible, and every penny, every dollar you donate right now is going to the purchase of an ultrasound machine. 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com. That's K-B-R-I-T-E radio.com. Click on the banner for Preborn and make your best donation right now. $25, $50, $100, it all counts towards saving babies' lives. kbrightradio.com. Hit the Preborn banner right now. My thanks again to Dr. Chris Green for joining me today here on the Bottom Line Show. Fun to revisit that conversation with Dr. Green. We have one copy of his massive work called God's Healing Code, a biblical prescription restoring body and soul. 
There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. As I mentioned, this is a massive, big, hardcover, $50 book. We do have one copy that we're giving away today at 800-227-5278. the number to get you through to the bottom line. And uh, if you don't win this book, it's Everyone Wednesday. So everybody who calls in who qualifies, I mean, you can only win one gift, one prize every 30 days. Okay. So if you've won within the last couple of weeks, thanks for calling, but we can't give you anything. But we've got a massive prize bin. Joel's office basically is just prize-a-rama. And uh, we've got a lot of things in there. So if you don't get a chance to win Dr. Green's book, be sure to ask Crystal about one of the other prizes that we're giving away today. Uh, the six-year legal battle for the tennis family is now over. The uh, tennis family run a farm in, um, uh, in East Lansing, Michigan. A district judge has ruled against the city of East Lansing because, well, here's, basically here's what happened. The uh, tennises uh, own a place called Country Mill Farms, and it is an actual working farm where they have produce and things of that nature. They go to the local farmer's market and they sell the stuff. But also, they have a, I mean, they, literally, you're talking apples, peaches, sweet corn, blueberries. And there were lots of patrons around. It was very mutually beneficial. About six years or so, they'd been doing this. But basically, here's the thing. They had never refused service to anyone at all. But they found themselves in the crosshairs during 2016 of a community that said, well, we've never really turned away anybody who wants to come and do business with us. But here's the problem. The family answered a comment on Facebook inquiring about their beliefs in marriage. And the family responded saying that we are Catholics. We believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. And we live according to that on the farm as well. Now, the farm, this is where it gets kind of dicey. It's not that people objected to a Catholic family running a little uh, kind of basically a produce stand, a fruit and produce stand where uh, they also worked in the local farmer's market. And, um, you know, it, they were just kind of fun, a fun place to be. But because it's a farm and a lot of people like destination weddings and things of that nature, they used to rent out their facility for people to get married. And that's where... I, can I just say this? And I have not met the tennis family, so I don't know. But can I just say this? Not everybody on social media is your friend. If somebody goes on Facebook, if you post a picture, if you make a comment, whatever, that belongs to the public now. So someone goes on Facebook in 2016, the Obergefell decision had been handed down a year earlier. Uh, someone posted asking a question, you know, we love the country mill. This is really great. Want to have a marriage here. But what do you guys think about same sex, quote unquote, marriage? And the tennises basically said, we're Catholic. We believe marriage is between a man and a woman. We live like that according to uh, the values that we have for running our business. And when we participate in weddings on the farm, that's what we believe. Well, then the city of East Lansing got involved and they said, wait a minute now. Um, we, uh, but the, the city was very clear that uh, since they saw that social media post, they didn't want anyone to think that they were a bigoted, hate-filled, homophobic city. So here's what they did. Now, this is the difference between leftists and I think good conservatives. If there were a disagreement 
conservative group versus another group. I know there are people who like to protest and say, don't support there. We're going to go out and we're going to pick it. And that's and I get it. I mean, we encourage people during the 40 days for life season to do the same thing. Go to a Planned Parenthood and pray. But the city of East Lansing went on social media and they basically started pressuring the tennis family to no longer participate in the farmer's market every week. Basically, because of that post, the people who operated the farmer's market eventually wound up getting them booted out of the farmer's market. Now, that's taking money out of the pockets of the tennis family. In the same way that Jack Phillips at Masterpiece Cake Shop had to cut down 40% of his business, which is what cake decoration for wedding receptions actually meant. The tennis family basically, uh, the, the city then decided, well, we're going to come up with new rules for how we select vendors for this uh, farmer's market. Candidates for the market vending now, quote, had to embody the spirit of the market by complying with the city's ordinances and public policy against discrimination. The tennises, the city said, had crossed that line and they were denied application to do that. Well, here's what they did. Instead of packing things up and tucking tail and walking away, the tennis family decided to sue. They sued the city of East Lansing. They said the city was punishing them for their beliefs by excluding them from making a living and violating their constitutional rights. Now, that's a smart suit. They didn't give in and say, we're Catholics and you're persecuting us. They said, we run a business and your post, subsequently followed by the decision not to allow us here, is hurting our pocketbook. This is kind of a RICO standard now, don't you think? This is racketeering. The city of East Lansing is telling this farm this country mill uh, farms that has had a good relationship with the farmer's market before that simply because the owners went on a Facebook page, which is their own personal page, even though it becomes pretty much public and said, we believe marriage is between a man and a woman. And the city said, okay, if that's what you believe, you can't do business here. The welcoming, tolerant and inclusive city of East Lansing, no longer allowing anything to degree, uh, to disagree with them. So basically, what happened in the case? Well, they went ahead and filed a lawsuit against the city of East Lansing. They partnered with our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom. And initially, they got an injunction from a judge early in 2017 that allowed them to continue selling at the market in the interim. They knew that the lawsuit would probably be you know, long and drawn out. Six years later, the Tenises have uh, prevailed. The trial wouldn't have taken that long except the judge had waited on certain decisions from the Supreme Court pertaining to the case. And so now, what happened? Well, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll take a look at the positive result for a Catholic family that stood firm in their faith. It's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Congratulations to the tennis family, uh, the tennises. Uh, are based in East Lansing, Michigan. The uh, nice-looking family here in their photo that we've got up at thebottomlineshow.com. Mom and dad had five kids, very devout Catholics, and they had engaged in the local farmer's market in East Lansing for years. In addition, Country Mills, their farm, is a place where people can come pick their own produce, buy their own stuff fresh. They also, though, used to perform, and I think they still do, wedding receptions and weddings. And somebody asked on their Facebook page, do you do same-sex, quote-unquote, weddings? And um, the Tenise family responded by saying, no, 
actually we were, we're strong devout Catholics. We believe the Bible is the word of God and God's plan A for marriage is to have a man and a woman and that's it. So um, when it comes down to it, they, they wound up filing a lawsuit against the city of East Lansing because the city of East Lansing said, well, if you're gonna have those hate-filled homophobic rhetoric uh, opinions, then we're not gonna let you participate in the farmer's market. And we don't think anybody should be coming to their farm to buy produce and certainly not to have a wedding reception there. Interesting that the city would go on the offensive. You'd think some LGBT activists would have shown up and said, hey, we wanna get married and then gone the legal path that way but instead they went ahead and uh, filed suit they hung on a little bit six years later and now the Tzadises have prevailed according to uh, their attorney it came down to the case uh, Fulton from the Supreme Court when a city creates a system of discretion where they can pick and choose candidates based on a certain assessment they can't kick anybody out for their beliefs it's a strong ruling it upholds a principle that's biblical and others will in the future be protected by other courts to make the same decision. So the good news is um, the, the family is now trying to mend their strained relationship with the city. The problem that they're running into, of course, is that so many people were on their side and thought the city was just crazy for trying to impose this stuff that basically... Well, it's a strained relationship, but it's definitely one that the city needs as well as the family. So congratulations to the Sadise family for standing up for biblical principles. Thank you for uh, staying true to your faith and doing so in a loving and compassionate way as well. May uh, your witness be one that brings many people to Christ because of what you did and the way you did it. Uh, we've got a link for this article, by the way, at thebottomlineshow.com. You have a few moments left here on this Everyone Wednesday to get your name in the drawing for the book by Dr. Chris Green, God's Healing Code, speaking of fresh fruits and vegetables, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your afternoon and Rabbi Schneider coming your way next. For those who remain on the network, well, it is Everyone Wednesday and we have another book that we're going to give away. But first, you definitely want to hear my conversation with Dr. Edward Welch. Uh, his book is called Someone I Know is Grieving, Caring with Humility and Compassion. There's a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have not one, but two copies of that book to give away today. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. When you hear the word grief, oftentimes a lot of different emotions can come to mind and come to heart. But the question of how do we deal with grief and grieving is something that a lot of people have been debating for a while, but everyone seems to have their own special recipe. Well, today here on The Bottom Line Show, Dr. Edward Welch is back with us, and we're going to have a conversation about how do we care with humility and compassion with someone who is going through a season of grief. He's written a book called Someone I Know is Grieving, Caring with Humility and Compassion. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Edward Welch, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Roger, thanks so much. It's good to be with you. Dr. Welch, is a, he, he's a double threat here, PhD, licensed psychologist, but also has a master in divinity. He has a faculty member with the Christian Education, a Christian Counseling and Education Foundation, and has his uh, PhD in counseling in neuropsychology from the University of Utah, who beat my uh, daughter's USC Trojans over the weekend. And so I guess that's the end of this conversation. Thank you, Dr. Welch, for being with us. No, I'm just... <laughs> I forgot they were in the same leg. That's right, that's right. And, and, and all that's to say that the recipe you identify, the recipe we're looking for, 
is something that is as simple as mm-hmm. is simple enough for a child. That's mm-hmm. that's what we're aiming for. If we're on something that is truly right and good, then it's available to children. So yeah. um, it doesn't take any degrees to talk about these things. Well, I appreciate that. Well, I guess we could start with the football game and, and realize that the SC fans are grieving and the Utah fans are, are celebrating. But I mean, obviously, there's a lot more. To, some people do take sports losses a lot harder than others. But when it comes to grief and grieving, I, I don't know how many books, articles, conversations, podcasts I've read, listened to, watched. And it seems like that the definition of grief is totally different depending on who you talk to. What, how, how do you, Dr. Ed Welch, first and foremost, how do you d- define grief? I mean, what, what does grieving uh, look like from your perspective? Roger, you've heard a lot of the definitions. I might throw it back to you in just a moment. But I, I'm thinking really very simply, uh, thinking somebody is hurting. Somebody's hurting and they feel it. it, it they feel a kind of loss. So it doesn't simply have to be because somebody died. Um, uh, it could be all kinds of different losses. Uh, one of the things I, I noticed, especially when I had children, was that they could be, they could be sad for sometimes the smallest things. Mm-hmm. And the nature of love is you're sad right along with them. You're yeah. affected by them. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about grief really very largely. It's just in this world, you will have trouble. And, right. and grief is the way we experience a lot of the trouble in life. Mm. Okay, so we're talking about what grief is, and I think probably we all knew that. It's just a question of, you know, thank you for giving us kind of a short, articulate answer. Now the next question, which is even tougher, is what is healthy grieving, what is unhealthy grieving, and how do we help people who are going through a, a season of grief? I, I think simply when we go to Scripture, healthy grieving is when Jesus is part of it. When, when we say, Jesus, help, in the course of a day, that's healthy grieving. Uh, when I think of this passage in Hosea, uh, unhealthy grieving would be, be when we cry on our beds rather than cry out to the Lord. So mm. I think that would probably be the main thing. Scripture doesn't give all kinds of scripts for how we, how we talk to the Lord in our grieving. Is he part of it, or is he not part of it? That's, that's the critical question. Mm, boy, that's a great way to b- boil it down. The brand new book, it's a small book, it's a helpful one. It's called Someone I Know is Grieving, Caring with Humility and Compassion. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Uh, Edward Welch is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, and he is the author of this book. The first chapter in this book, I appreciate the fact that you uh, encourage us to respond wisely to suffering, whether it's us who's doing the hurting, or as you mentioned earlier, if someone else is hurting, then we come alongside. What is an example of maybe some unwise response to suffering? And Roger, going back to the idea of, of wise, that's a, that's a challenging word. It, it means that we're not going to have a script for our responses, but we need to be thoughtful. We, we, mm. we want to be students of our words and students of our encouragement. So that's, that, I think that's what wise embodies. We want to be careful with the things that we we say, well, let me think. Um, uh, your question is, what do we not do? Well, I'll give you a subtle one that I just heard over the past week. A small group that met in our house, and in the small group, the, the woman was speaking about how her father had recently died. And <clears throat> her father was, was in his sickness for quite a while, and certainly it was the, it was the death of her father was especially grievous. But she went on to say how her father was the center of the family. He's the one who brought everybody together. Mm. And she was 
she was overwhelmed by the thought of her family splintering. So, so that was the thing that was especially on her heart. And, and somebody immediately said in the group, well, you can, what you can do is you can have a family meeting, gather all the family, and you can have a meeting and, and talk about it. Now, that's a, that's a subtle version, I think, of a less helpful comment. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a comment that's sort of it's in that realm of giving advice to somebody. But yeah, the, the person who's giving the advice they have no idea what this woman has already done in the context of her family. Right. Maybe she's already called a family meeting. It's also, it's also sort of running around her particular grief. So, so I would say that saying nothing is certainly one of the worst things we can say. Mm-hmm. But, but offering advice to, to people who are suffering is probably the most common and most unhelpful thing we can do. And anybody who's married would know something about that. (laughs) Yes, that's for sure. Dr. Edward Welch is my guest today here on The Bottom Line, only laughing at the truth of that, because I'm sure my wife would echo that sentiment. Uh, Giving advice when we don't necessarily need to or don't really have the qualifications to do so doesn't help someone in a grief situation, but in his book, Someone I Know is Grieving, Caring with Humility and Compassion, which is up at thebottomlineshow.com, we can respond wisely by just being there, by just literally, you know, weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn. Um, you also addressed the issue, and you alluded to this earlier about, you know, what we can learn from the Lord and talking about the passage in Hosea about crying out to God in our anguish versus uh, suffering on our own beds and sitting and wallowing in our own tears. Talk about why we are drawn to that kind of human emotion, which is this says, I'm hurting, so therefore I want to wallow with it and find other people who will wallow with me. And the difference between doing so and actually listening to the Lord and asking, what can I learn from this? What are you telling me through this? What, what do I need to uh, experience through all this season? One of the ways, I'll just try to offer something simple. One of the ways I think we can be helpful in, in, in being Christians as we, as we talk with each other in our suffering would be a question as simple as this. Could you give me one way that I could pray for you? Could you give mm-hmm. me one, just one way? That I could pray for you. Um, uh, that that would be an example of one question that reminds us that we live before God. It reminds us that that we need Him above all else in the midst of it, and He is the one who identifies Himself as the Comforter. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> the yes. Apostle Paul talks about Him as the God of all comfort. So that, that it's just you know, just one. I, I find that probably in my in my care for other people in our church. It would be two things. One is, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Assuming I am genuinely sorry. Right. The other would be, could you give me one way to pray for you? Mm-hmm. And then here's the, here's the difficult part of it. To not only pray for what that person gives us, or if the person has nothing, for us to say, could I pray? Here's one thing I'm thinking as you're talking. Could I pray this? Uh, that that the comfort of Christ would be evident to you. That would be that would be a natural one to pray. But the, but the next part of it is the challenging one, which is the next week or the two weeks later when we see the person to be able to follow up and say, "You've been on my heart. I've been praying for you. Uh, this is this is what I've been praying. How 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 are how are you? How is Christ meeting you in those places? And, and perhaps he's not. In which case, we keep praying. Uh, and if he is, then we celebrate together. Amen. 
Amen. Dr. Edward Welch is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. His brand new book is from the uh, Ask the Christian Counselor series from New Growth Press that I just really love. The book is called Someone I Know is Grieving, Caring with Humility and Compassion. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that subtitle and those two aspects of our life in Christ, especially as it pertains to those who are going through a season of grief. What does care and humility and compassion all look like in God's perspective? We'll talk about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Dr. Edward Welch is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Dr. Welch is the author of a brand new book called Someone I Know is Grieving, Caring with humility and compassion. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Edward Welch is a licensed psychologist and a faculty member at the Christian Counseling and Education Foundation uh, with his PhD in the Affirmation uh, uh, Counseling Neuropsychology from the University of Utah and his Master's Divinity from Biblical Theological Seminary. You've got more than 40 years experience at in counseling people who especially, you know, going through all different seasons of life. But when it comes to the grief uh, compassion, or uh, the grief component, I should say, of our Christian walk, a lot of times we'll see people who are really trying to care for other people, but I mean, I'll just identify the 800-pound gorilla in the room. We look at someone who's hurting, and the first thing we think of is, you can't be hurting because if you're hurting, then that means I can't have a meaningful relationship with you. I, I like you to be upbeat. I like you to be, you know, on time and happy and focused and things like that. And I, it, that's not a terribly compassionate way to help someone grieve, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, anybody who's gone through grief, they, they have heard some of the foolish and hurtful things that other people have said. Well intended, perhaps. Um, many times all within the church, uh, but we have all heard it and and certainly I, for one, have, have said a number of those things, which is one of the reasons I enjoyed writing the book, to, to just grow in my own skills in caring for each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we, we uh, imagine, imagine a church where we did no harm, that, that the words we would speak to each other in, in the midst of our grief, they would build a person up. But not only would they build the person up, they would actually bring us together. That's... Mm-hmm. That's what we're aiming for. That's what that's what the spirit can do. You know, it's amazing when you think about that unity. You know, of course, the the hallmark of the Christian faith, John thirteen. You know, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another, if you are bound together. But in doing so, what we really need to focus on, of course, is is that compassion, and also when it comes to caring for people. Um, I, it, it's taken me a while to be able to discern this and, and figure this out, and I, I, uh, I'm not too proud to admit it, but when it comes to that, I, I was that person 
who would look at the, I, I had open heart surgery five and a half years ago, and I knew that a lot of people around those people too. They're kind of like, you know, they're, we're praying for you and we're rooting for you, but when are you coming back to work? You know, or we're, we want to make sure everything's okay. I had elderly parents and my dad had a heart condition. They'd come over every day and they basically, they'd watch CNN. They'd come check on me in the room, watch CNN, come check on me in the room. And after a while I thought, you know, they're just kind of waiting to make sure I'm going to be okay. Not necessarily because they want me to be okay, but they need me to be okay. You know, and I thought, wow, that was, uh, I had to kind of grieve the loss of that kind of innocence too. Uh, you talk about care shaped by humility. And I wonder what you mean by that. I would love for you to explain that to our listeners in terms of where humility comes in in helping somebody who's grieving. Well, so often I think our mistakes are, <clears throat> there's this, well, giving, we'll go back to giving advice. Giving advice is, I know the answer. I have the answer to this particular problem. You could do this, you could do that, you could do this. And again, one of the reasons advice is so, is so hard for somebody who's suffering is because it puts the advice giver in this different category. They become the expert. Mm. Now you're the student. You don't have a person who is walking with you and beside you and sitting next to you. So that, that would be a lack of humility, where you have the answer for the person. Or another version of that. What is God trying to teach you? What is God trying to teach you? Which I think is, in, in some ways, another version of, of pride. All you have to do is figure this out, and then the suffering will be over. Um, and and there's there's a certain lack of humility as to as to we think we can actually sort of move into the mind of God and know the nuances of this particular suffering and the ins and the outs. Well, here, I'll give you one other one. Uh, another version of pride is is just something, just just this. In other words, we're taking a complex struggle and we're giving a simple answer. Just just read, just drink a veggie smoothie, just pray. Yeah, that can be good <laughs> yeah. things, yeah. but it's anything on the far side of just is going to be lacking a humility. Um, mm -hmm. We think we know the answer to it. And suffering is simply not a matter to be solved. It's a, it's a, it's a relational issue. It's not a, it, it's not a, it's not a math problem. It's a relational yeah. issue. Is God with me? How can I know him? How can I know that he is with me? He cares. How can I know his comfort in the midst of this? That's, you know, that's ultimately what Scripture gives us. You know, it's amazing as we talk, we're talking here with Dr. Edward Welch today here on The Bottom Line about his book, Someone I Know is Grieving, Caring with Humility and Compassion. The book is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and this is one of those helpful small books. If you're looking for something that's a deep dive, I mean, this is a deep enough dive, but it's, it's just a few chapters that can help you very practically help someone grieving. Um, when you were working on this book, Dr. Welch, talk about what you were, what was kind of going through your mind. Was there one incident in particular that was kind of a catalyst saying, that's it? If anybody asks me this question again, I'm going to lose it. Here's a book, or <laughs> or or was it once something that ha did happen where you said, you know what? It occurs to me these are kind of four components that have to be in place if we're really going to help somebody who's grieving. I, I I suspect the the original catalyst for the book was years ago when dear friends just had a diagnosis of their son, which is going to be a diagnosis that would take his life in ten years. Hmm. Uh, I was so stunned and overwhelmed by the news, which was compassion. I, I was moved by what I heard. When the, the person called, and, and uh, when they called, I simply said, oh, I'll get my wife. You can talk to my wife. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't say 
anything. I didn't say anything. And here's a person who was a husband and a wife, and here's a husband and wife who loved me enough to say, Ed, we know that you love us. We know that. Um, you have and you do. But when you didn't say anything, we knew you under, remember, you, we knew that you knew what was happening to our son. When you didn't say anything, it was just so hurtful. Mm. I think that probably for me began this predict, particular journey. It was years ago. It was a, it was people who loved me that said what, what you didn't say was so hurtful. Mm. And I think from then on, it's how can, how can we in this generation be, begin to, to, as a community, every one of us, to say words that build up rather than words that tear down and separate when we go through misery. And there are miseries every day, certainly. Yeah. You know, the, when I think about what's happening in the world around us, and we've got a younger generation that's coming up now and looking at, you know, wars and rumors of war, things of that nature, and there, there seems to be a growing sense of desperation in terms of people. Uh, talk about what we, we always think of grief defined as uh, loss of a loved one, loss of a job, loss of a home, you know, something, something that's kind of big and major and tangible. But there are a lot of people, it seems like, who are grieving certain things that maybe a generation like ours might say, really? I mean, we just kind of sucked it up and got on with it. Um, <laughs> talk, talk about how the face of grief has kind of changed from generation to generation in our culture. Well, I think what you're identifying is that there's a generation that has a sense of a loss of the future, where certainly in my generation, there, there was a kind of optimism, a national optimism about the future. We would be able to do well. Maybe we'd be able to earn even more money than our parents did. There was a right. kind of optimism, which doesn't exist today. So, but I think what you're raising is a, is a very helpful illustration where the nature of compassion, humility and compassion, Humility, there are a lot of things I don't know. Uh, compassion, I, here's one way to think about compassion. Uh, compassion wants to know more about what a person is saying. If they're saying something that's hard, could you tell me more? Could you give me some, could you give me the details? What has it been like? What is it like for you to live in this particular generation? Those are the kinds of skills that I think we're aiming for. And and, and, and the theology behind that, the theology, that's a, that's a cumbersome way to put it. The reason why we do that is because the way the Lord deals with us is he doesn't say to us, well, that's a big deal, and that's a little deal. Well, you, you, know, you lost your cat. But your cat's a little deal. You're, you, know, you lost a dog. Okay, maybe a dog is a little bit bigger deal. Um, or you lost a, a, a third cousin. Uh, that's a that's a smaller deal. Well, he, there, there's some big deals and little deals, and and we have this sense that he reserves his compassion or or doles out his compassion in percentages, and it's only the really horrible things where he gives us full compassion. Well, obviously, um, I'm speaking foolishness. You never find the Lord minimizing our struggles. Mm. That's that's the nature of his love. He never says well, why don't you go to a cancer ward and see what struggle really is? He never, ever does that. He never compares and contrasts our suffering with another. He is fully the compassionate God and Father who knows us uh, in the midst of our particular sufferings today. In fact, I'd even go a little bit further to say that if we, it, it, when we minimize sufferings, 
there's something that's not quite right on that, because it keeps us from going to the Lord and speaking our hearts to Him. Mm. And that's that's sort of the that, that's that's one of our delights in in knowing Christ. It's also one of the requirements in knowing Christ. We speak yes. to Him. And in Psalm 62, how do we speak to him? Well, you pour out your heart to him. Pour out your heart. And, and when we minimize our suffering, we're acting as if the Lord is busy with other more important sufferings and he doesn't need to hear about ours, mm, mm. which is which is which is absolutely a lie. Absolutely. Right. right. Well, that's excellent counsel, and and for you who are listening and are either going through a season of grief or you know someone who is, uh, Dr. Ed Welch's words hopefully have been a big encouragement to you and a comfort as well. The brand new book is called Someone I Know is Grieving, Caring with Humility and Compassion, and we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Dr. Edward Welch, always a pleasure. Thank you for this resource, and thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Uh, thanks for thinking about this with me, Roger. I appreciate it. Good conversation, a very helpful, practical resource for pastors, for lay people, just for anybody that you might know who is grieving right now. Dr. Edward Welch, the book is called Someone I Know is Grieving, Caring with Humility and Compassion. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Not one, but two copies of this book that we're giving away today. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And as we mentioned, every Wednesday here on Everyone Wednesday, everyone will win something, everyone who calls in. The only reason you wouldn't win today is because you've already won something in the last 30 days, and that's just a station rule. But other than that, if you don't get in on the two books by Dr. Ed Welch or the book by Dr. Chris Green, we encourage you to ask Crystal and Joel and see what they have in the big prize cabinet. They got lots of stuff for you to ask for, that's for sure. 800-227-5278. 5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, I want to talk about grieving and why it is important to discover the benefits of good grief. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know, I'll never forget the moment I met my grandson, Isaac. It actually wasn't in the delivery room. That was the first time I held him. But the first time I actually met Isaac was when I went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment, and the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight-week-old baby in the womb. Uh, You know, I encourage you to contact Preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family. Maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now. They've had the ultrasound. You've seen the picture. You've heard the heartbeat, and you think, wow, how can I bless someone else. Studies show that 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and see that ultrasound either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own or release the child for adoption. It cuts the risk of it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically. But your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into preborn health clinics. Give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says preborn. Cute little baby there wrapped up in a blanket. Or give a gift over the phone. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, that's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn, make a donation. Every ultrasound machine could do 250 ultrasounds per year, so give a gift right now. My thanks again to Dr. Ed Welch. It's always a pleasure to have conversations with Ed. Uh, He's got a Master's in Divinity as well as his PhD and is just a valuable asset in the uh, body of Christ here. The book is called Someone I Know is Grieving, Caring with Humility and Compassion. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have not one but two copies of this book to give away. 
is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Remember good old Charlie Brown, the legendary, iconic, and somewhat autobiographical uh, creation of Charles Schultz, the gifted uh, writer of Peanuts and also the illustrator. It's interesting, but remember what Charlie Brown's big expression was? Some people say, oh, bother, or oh, fuss, or oh, no, or nuts, or whatever it is. Remember what Charlie Brown used to say? He would say, oh, good grief. And I love that phrase because I believe it's true. I believe there actually is good grief and not so good grief. Pain is a part of life, especially in the world that we live in, the sinful fallen world, where, quite frankly, sin happens and so people get hurt, people get sick. Uh, Remember, God's plan A for our lives was to be created and live with him in eternity in the Garden of Eden. And once Adam and Eve introduced the concept of sin, an actual sin into the world, then that's when death showed up too. But the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ leads to life eternal for those who believe that his blood pays the penalty for your sin and that he as your savior and Lord will guide and direct you all the way home to heaven. He says in John chapter 14, you know, we're talking about the fact when Thomas says, you know, where are you going? We don't know. And he says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father, but by me. It's a guarantee that someone you know right now is grieving. The question is, are they grieving well? Some people get stuck in a pattern of grief where it's circular and they just can't get out of it. It's like being on a merry-go-round over and over and over again. Other people know how to grieve and then they pull the, uh, the, the likes of what uh, King David did when he was grieving the death of his son. He was grieving, wrestling with God, please rescue my son and heal him. And when the child died, David ended his mourning put on a new tunic, put on some fresh oil on his head and went and had something to eat. I mean, there's a way that we can experience loss and experience grief in a way that's healthy for us. Only through Christ Jesus can you experience good grief. Don't let the world tell you how to grieve and don't hold back when you are grieving a loss. It's real and you need to recognize it, but there's also a godly way to experience good grief too. That is good news and that's the bottom line.